You know, when I was growing up, my uh, home Sunday morning, I have some real vivid memories of it. Uh, this is before my, my dad was a believer, my, my mom would uh, get up early, it seemed very early, and she'd start cranking her Elvis gospel our big old stereo in our, in our living room, cranked it loud. And then she'd come uh, to wake us up, try to wake us up. And she's from, from Memphis, so she'd be shaking us and she'd say, Arise, arise and call me blessed. Y'all arise. I want to see some arising. I want to hear some blessed. And uh, we would uh, want to call her other things probably at that point, not blessed. Uh, but uh, she would take us to church and uh, my dad would sleep in. When uh, one Sunday we got back, and I was only seven, so I didn't understand all the scoop what's going on. But uh, later on, I realized that our senior pastor had gotten into uh, some aberrant doctrine stuff. He started reading something and got all mixed up. And so uh, the, uh, he was asked to leave. Well, my mom came home and she was upset. And so she was crying. And, and my dad had gotten out of bed and he was sitting at the uh, kitchen table in his boxers and smoking cigarettes. So that, that was a normal picture in my mind. Y'all won't have to go there, but it was a normal picture in my mind. And, and he said, well, well, honey, what's wrong? And she said, well, you know, I'm, uh, they asked my pastor to leave. And, and my, my dad is, is smoking and he just kind of looked out the window and then he took his cigarette and he smashed it into the ashtray. He looked up and he said, ain't nobody taking my blanking pastor away. And, and he got on the war path. Now, my dad, funny thing is my dad had never been to church. He never met this guy. I don't think he ever served. He was, who didn't know what this guy was about? But no one was going to take his, his past away. Now, that's, that, that story reminds me of the Ten Commandments. And it's not because my dad broke a handful of them there. Just hang on. Uh, we'll, we'll connect the dots in a second. But let me give you the, the, another story. And then we'll com- connect the two. 2001, Judge Roy Moore, he was the uh, Supreme, uh, uh, Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court, he uh, uh, brought into the rotunda of the building that, that holds the Alabama Supreme Court a 5,000-pound monument of the Ten Commandments. Uh, 2003, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that this was unconstitutional and asked him to remove the monument. He uh, denied that, defied the ruling. And then later on that year, both the monument and Judge Roy Moore were removed from the Alabama Supreme Court. Well, if you remember this, Christians all up in arms, ah! They're taking God out of the courtroom. They're taking the Ten Commandments out. And it reminded us, too, of all the, the last 25, 30 years of taking the Ten Commandments out of the classroom in school, right? Oh, they're taking the commandments down. Now, I wonder if the Christians who were all up in arms ah, were real parallel with my dad, who was way up in arms. And I want to ask, how you upset that they're taking the Ten Commandments, but how many of them do you know? So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to play a game, an unreality game, uh, name the 10. Now, this is how this game works. Uh, working by yourself or with others, we'll let you work, work with others, but without the use of, of, of phones, PDA, smartphones, your Bible, uh, the, 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 the hymnal, any, no external sources whatsoever, okay, just your own head, you need to write down as many of the commands as you can. Let's see, let's see how well you do this morning, okay? Uh, now, this is the way this works. Again, this is an unreality game, so hear that. But first one, you get right, $1,000. <laughs> then it's going to double after every, 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 every succeeding one. So your second one, if you get that one right, that's 2000 You get the third command right, that's 4000 You get the fourth command, 8000 You have a possibility of getting half a million dollars today. What a deal, right? Okay, you can work by yourself or with a team. You've got one minute to get as many of these down as you can, on your mark, get set, go. And I wish we had some Ten Commandments music for you, but, but, but go ahead, work. Your, your time is ticking.
God helps those who help themselves is not a command, by the way. Got them all? All right, you got 15 seconds left. Five, four, three, two, one. And okay, now you know as well as I do, extra time will just prolong the pain. So let's check this out. Let's see how you did. Okay, now it's not survey said. We checked with, with Scripture. Okay, so it's God said. Okay, first one, no other gods, right? Shall have no other gods before me. How many people got that one right? Yeah, all right, good deal. Okay, second command, let's go. No graven images, no idols. You got this one? Okay, I think we just saved a lot of money right there. Number three, don't miss the, use the name or don't take the, the name of the Lord your God in vain. How many people got that one? All right, good, good. Number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Where are we at? Anybody? Okay, good. There's a few. Okay, number five. Honor your father and mother. Okay, all the parents, right? Got that one. Yeah, yeah. The kids forgot that one. Okay, number six. Thou shalt not kill or murder. Okay, good, good. Seven. Uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. All right. Number eight. What do you got with that? That's, that's, don't, do I have, don't lie on that. What do we have? Don't steal. Excuse me. Ah, I got them all. Uh, don't steal. Right. We got that. OK. Number nine. Here we go with the lie or don't bear false witness against your neighbor. OK. Got that. Oh, OK. And number 10 is don't covet. Right. Don't covet. OK. OK. Now then. Now, here's the deal. I forgot two little rules I got to let you know. First rule is you have to have gotten all 10 before we can give you any money this morning. Second of all, you have to have gotten them in order. And then, uh, thirdly, this was an unreality game. Okay, how many people got five or more? Five or more? Uh, good, good, good. That's good. Okay, let's go right for the jugular. How many folk got ten? Ten. Well, one, two, three, five. Uh, yeah, this is a great group. Now, did you guys get something from the last service? Did you talk to them? Oh, no, okay, okay. I think we had one person last service. But keep in mind, this was an unreality game. But good for you guys that got 10. We'll give you a, a nice uh, accolades, but I don't know if you're going to... You're going to have to wrestle Norm for the $500,000 this morning. Um, 10 Commandments. You know, we're starting our series on the 10. And you need to know as we start this series, there's a lot of controversy regarding the Ten Commandments in the Christian circle. Okay, and this is how the, the question goes. As a New Covenant believer... Someone who's in the New Testament, what is my relationship to the Old Covenant, to the Old Testament, to the Old Testament law? You know, what, what, do I need to obey it or not? And how much of it? What? Well, you've got, just so you know, this is a, is a debate within the Christian community, so I want you to know where I'm coming from as we do this study. There is a group on, on one side of the spectrum. They're called Theonomists. And what they say is absolutely, you have full responsibility. You are obligated to keep all of the Old Testament law other than the sacrificial system and the temple law. So the stuff about mildew, the dietary law, everything else, going outside the camp, everything else is, is yes, you're obligated to do. Very difficult to, to be consistent here unless you're living in Israel, unless you're under a theocratic government, but there are folk there. Other end of the spectrum, as you can imagine, folk who say, Absolutely not. 
You're not to keep any of the Old Testament law. And if you try to, you're apostate. These guys are called antinomianists. And that, that antinomianism is rejected by the church as a heresy. Okay, so the vast majority of Christendom is somewhere in the middle. And that middle swap is huge, just so you know. And it goes something like this. We may not be obligated to keep each law, 613 of them, in the Old Testament specifically. But behind every single law is a principle from God. And your responsibility and mine is to ascertain the principle and that is what we're supposed to apply. Now, you might be thinking, I don't know, I'm not sure. That's okay. Be thinking that as we go through this series. And, and, and I believe that you'll get clarity and guidance and, and come down where you, where you will on that one. But we want to be looking at, at the, the Ten Commandments in this series. And then let me give you some um, breakdown of the commandments. This is, this is significant. Because most scholars look at the Ten Commandments and say they break down very nicely into two um, Categories, And we, they're not five on one tablet and five on the other. We don't know how many were, were on each tablet. But this is how they, most scholars will break them down, and it makes sense. First four, deal with your vertical relationship with God. No gods before me, no graven images, don't misuse the name, remember the Sabbath day. That's my relationship with God. It's my vertical relationship with Him. Then, starting in number five, five through ten, those deal with your horizontal relationship relationship specifically with the community of believers now it's not as we'll get into later on uh for relationships with the secular world obviously we shouldn't go kill people regardless okay and i think we've got some scripture we can back that up but the 10 were for the community they were for how to get along with each other within community and that the not kill one is good is with your family, isn't it? Because sometimes you feel like that should, should transpire. So, so it breaks down very nicely. My vertical relationship with God, my, my horizontal relationship. Just knowing the history a bit is, is helpful, where these things came from. Remember, Moses just got the folk out of Egypt. And all they knew in Egypt were Egyptian gods, Egyptian ways, Egyptian laws, Egyptian holidays. And every single holiday was related to, was religious, was related to God. And so they stop off. As soon as they get out of Egypt, they do a retreat. And they stop off at Sinai and Moses goes up on the mountain. And then scripture lets us know. And I think this is the only place where God actually wrote. Now, God inspired the rest of his word through human authors. But here he wrote down, Scripture says, these commandments. And so when Moses came down off the mountain, he had, wasn't, I don't think he had the Charlton Heston thing going with it. It looked like he had two magic gravestones. You can imagine how heavy these babies are. Probably like eight and a half by 11 uh, slabs. But, but, but he came down with these things. They were referred to as the covenant. And they were, they were honored huge because it was, and we'll get into a second, it was basically God entering into a marriage covenant with his people. And this was, this was huge. And so this was so important. The, these tablets, the, 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 these ten were so important that they needed to build a special box to carry it. This is an ark, right? This ark means box. Ark of the covenant. And don't, we don't want to get too tied up with the box itself. It was gold and ornate. And the box is only significant in the fact of what was inside it. And so whenever the Israelites would go on parade or they'd go into war, the Ark of the Covenant was carried in a very prominent location because of what was in it. It was God. It was the marriage certificate between God and his people. It was huge for these folk. Uh, understanding as well that in the, the ensuing 
weeks, months, years of Israel's existence, some 600 other laws would be added to this. You go to the bookstore and ask for a poster of the 613 commandments of the Old Testament. It would be a long poster, right? But if you were to get all those commandments, they fit nicely underneath these 10. These 10 are really the basis. They're the foundation for all of God's, not just Old Testament law, but all of God's values, his, his, his guidelines for us of his people through, through, through all, of, all of history. And this is where I'll give you an idea where I'm coming from with this. One day, a, a, a man came to Jesus. Let me see if we do we got this. Is it still in Greek? Oh, yeah, it's still in Greek. All right. Sorry about that. For all you Greek scholars, I don't know how it, 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 it got, did that. But anyway, it's amazing technology. A man comes to Jesus one day. He says, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Now, is he thinking the 10? Is he thinking all 613? I don't know. But the 10 is certainly in this list that he's thinking about. And Jesus looks at him, and what does Jesus say? The greatest commandment is what? Kind of, I think I heard it in there somewhere. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Jesus says, this is the first and greatest commandment. Right? This is a summarization, I believe, of the top four. Uh, it, it summarizes that. So it's a quote out of Deuteronomy 6, but it, but it summarizes the top four. Now, what's fascinating to me is the man only asked for one command, but Jesus gave him two. Jesus didn't stop at one. That's because commands 5 through 10 are unaccounted for yet. And so Jesus speaks up and says, And the second is like to it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, the vertical relationship. Love your neighbor as yourself, the horizontal relationship. They summarize, those two summarize the 10. And then Jesus says this. He says, On these two hang all of the Old Testament law and prophets. That's Jesus just said. These two, which summarize the ten, the entire Old Testament is based on. All of who God is is, 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 is based on this. So it's a fascinating um, understanding that these ten summarize where God is coming from. Now, the order of the commandments. Now, that's a little bit uh, controversial, but, but there's something here, I think. I don't know if I can dogmatically say the order spells out an a obvious hierarchy of value to God. I'm not sure, but there's something there. If you were to look at these ten, uh, it would say something like this from, from God's ten. God first, then society. That's the fourth commandment, the, uh, the Sabbath. Deuteronomy lets us know it's for slaves and animals. I mean, that's for, for, as well as for God. Then family, life, my, my rights to live, sex, and then property. Now, it's fascinating to me, and I wish I could footnote this because I didn't come up with this, but it's fascinating what mankind has done with this. We flipped it, haven't we? We've just turned these things on its head. First thing is materialism, right? The most important thing is what I get. It's me, mine. It's who you dies with the most toys kind of thing. It's, it's, it's property. Then sex. And that's certainly true in our culture, right? Uh, life, my rights. Then my family. And then society. And then if there's anything left over and you're interested in God, I guess, you include God, tag him at the bottom of the list. Mankind has inverted the list of commands. His values, not your values, my values, in our depraved state are exactly opposite of what God's are. It's, it's a fascinating thing for me. Now, as we look at the, the ten, we're going to be looking at it the next few, few weeks. We need to keep in mind why were the ten given. And this is very interesting. First thing they were given is they were given to teach us about God. 
please don't look at the ten thinking that, that this is what I must do. This is well, not what I must accomplish. This is what God is. The, the Ten Commandments reflect who God is. They reflect His heart. Uh, if, in fact, we were to do a project this morning, and I was to, we were to give you a scenario you needed to write on, and we said, okay, here's the scenario. You're going to die in two weeks. And you know you are. You've gone through the grieving process, but you realize you're leaving some kids. And so you're going to write down for them Top ten things, kids, if you're going to make it in life, I mean, this is really serious. If you're going to make it in life, you have got to nail these top things. If you get off this list, it's going to mess up your life huge. What would you put on your list? You know, balance the checkbook. Who knows what you put? You'd have, you'd have a list. And now my guess is if we grabbed everybody's list and we compared them all, we would find some great discontinuity. There'd probably be some things we would all agree on. Then there'd be some differences. Um, one thing is true about this, and t- tell me if I'm wrong. Would not your list tell us an awful lot about you? Wouldn't it tell us about what you value, what you think is imperative for life, what you think is incredibly important? There are certain things you didn't put on your list, and in your mind, those are secondary, but the things on your list, incredibly important. It tells us a lot about you. When we look at, at, at this, this list, we, this is why the study is so great. Uh, I love this because we get a chance to look into the heart of God. What is important to God? If God was to make up his top list and say, my children, if you're going to make it in this life, what would be on God's list? Well, he's given it to us. It allows us to understand who he is. Now, this is, this is good to Ezekiel. It says, I am the Lord your God. Follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then... You will know that I am the Lord your God. Now, I love the order he has here because sometimes we think I'm going to get to know God and see that I'm going to obey him. And he says, well, it's in your obedience. It's when when you live out my, my law because my heart is there. That's when you get to know me. That's when you get to understand who I am. The, the two are, are directly related. We obey, you get to know. This, these, these ten, y'all, are a path to intimacy with God. And I know one day we're all going to get to heaven and we're going to be made like, uh, we're going to know him as, as we're known and, and all of our doubt will, will be erased. But wouldn't it be great here to know him as well as any mortal can know him? Wouldn't that be fantastic? And we can, uh, but it's definitely going to incorporate us understanding his heart as revealed in his, in his word. So they're there to teach us about God. They're also, it's really to teach us about, about life. Teach us how to live life. It's our direction manual. Now, you always get into this. And so let me give you an a, a, a illustration, a, a metaphor that, that it's like every other analogy. It's going to break down, and I understand that. But um, hear me with this a little bit. You're driving down the street in your car, and suddenly the red blinky light, oil, 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 comes on your dashboard. So you pull out the thing out of your glove box and you look through the manual. What's this red blinky light oil mean? When you come across the directions, it's going to speak in imperatives, won't it? I mean, it'll be saying, pull over now and call a mechanic right away and check this out immediately. Now, if you don't do that, is anyone going to arrest you? Are the police going to give you a ticket? Will Ford come repo your vehicle? No, no, no. But if you don't do that, disaster, right? Do I have to keep this law? What do you mean you have to keep this law? If you don't, you're, you're flirting with danger. 
you're flirting with, with, with there, there will be disaster that's coming. You cannot break any of God's law. You just can't and have it be okay. You just think of the seventh command. And we're not hitting that one today, but, but thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, how many stories have you heard of folk who flirted with this and then everything crashed? You just can't. These are, like, these are like the laws of gravity. You can't defy it and be okay. You can't defy God's law and be okay. You just can't. And he's not waiting around with a stick waiting for you to, to, to mess up so he can hit you any more than he's waiting around with a stick waiting for you to defy gravity so he can hit you. It's just the way life is set. It's just the way it is. So they teach us how to live. Teach us what the parameters are in life. Teach us what the, what the laws of life are. And then they also teach us about Jesus. They lead us to Christ. And this is the New Testament gives us this picture. And, and this could be a whole series. But, but in the New Testament, it, it reminds us and lets us know what we find out when we try to pursue holiness and pursue the law. That we just can't keep it. And that's kind of a discouraging way to start the sermon, isn't it? We've got to go after this law, but by the way, you can never keep it. You can't keep it, but in our, our, our pursuit, as we trip and fall, what we do is we realize, God, this is your standard, and I can't keep it. I, I fail. And that's why 1,500 years after this giving, God sent his son Jesus, who, yeah, he was going to die and take away our sin, but before that, he lived in my stead and yours. He fulfilled the law Completely, Scripture says that all of his righteousness, all his fulfilling of the law is a tribute to me. It's a tribute to you as well. So, so when he, then he dies to take away our, our sin as well. And the law, part of the aspect of the law is to show you and I that we need a Savior. We need him. We need, we need to follow who he is. And, and so it's, it's also given to point us to Jesus. Now, let me give you a, a diagram just so you understand where I'm a kind of a diagram guy. But just as we get into this study, and this is just Bible study diagram stuff. But we're going to start with the ancient world, realizing that God's word was given to others before it was given to us. Right? Sometimes we're reading and we see, we, we read something, we're going, what in the world does this mean? And we close the Bible, this is irrelevant, and we move on. It's because we're not understanding the ancient world. Normal people, exact same feelings and stuff that you and I have, but they were just living in a different culture. So we got what we're going to try to do is get into the Israelites' skin during this study. Understand how they're thinking. Try to realize how would they have interpreted this law. And we're going to deal with the Western stuff and who we are, but we've got to start with them. Then we, we draw a bridge. And the bridge is really what is the principle behind this law? What is the, what is the key principle here? And then we bring it into... The modern world. All right, how does God expect a 21st century American person hanging out in Erie, Pennsylvania to live out the principle that, that's reflected in this law? And that's what we're going to be trying to do for every single one of the, the laws. And this is just normal Bible study. It's, good, uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good journey to go through as we're looking at God's Word. But just so you know where I'm coming at. So that's all by introduction. So if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus 20. Exodus chapter 20. The Ten Commandments are found in two different places. Exodus 20 as well as Deuteronomy uh, 5, I believe. We're going to look at the first time it's mentioned, though, in Exodus chapter 20. Now, the, the first of the Ten Commandments starts in verse 3. But you ask yourself, well, there are two verses before verse 3. I wonder if they're important. I wonder what they say. 
I wonder if they're significant. And my proposal to you is unless you understand those first two verses, you'll never understand the ten. I've got a beautiful walled deal of the Ten Commandments in our uh, still on the floor. We didn't hang it on the wall yet, but one day we will in my, our uh, uh, office thing at, at home. But it starts in verse 3. Matter of fact, uh, and I'm not a collector, but I've seen a bald bunch of Ten Commandment lists through my life, and they always start in verse 3. I've never seen one that starts in verse 1. But again, I don't think you can understand verse 3 and on until you understand verse 1. One of the things we're going to give you today on your way out is a, a bookmark for uh, Ten Commandments, our series. And on them, they'll list all, all the commands, but they also have verse 1 and 2 on here. So as we pull this out throughout the series and throughout your week, as you look at it, you can re- remember why they're given. So let's look at verses 1 and 2. Um, Incredibly significant. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now, this is this is huge because the commands haven't started yet, have they? He's not saying I will be your God before he's given them a single command. He says, I am your God. I mean, that's that's pretty substantial because we've got this misunderstood notion that in the Old Testament, the way people were saved is they obeyed the law. See, and if you can obey the law, then you'll be saved. That's how it works. Before there was any law for them to obey, God comes on and he says, I am the Lord your God. That's, that's huge. Now, in this life, this goes counter to everything we've experienced because we know there's no free lunch, right? You, you have to attain some, You have to attain these things. You, 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 no one gives you a championship scholarship. No, no, you have to earn that, don't you? No one just gives you a scholarship to college just because. No, no, you've earned it in one way or the other. When you do school, no one gives you the degree just because you have to have earned it. When you get your paycheck, no one just gives it to you. You have to have earned it. Matter of fact, you and I, our experience in life is you earn everything you get. That's just the way it is. And so I can see when God comes to them, they might say, well, hang on, you know, I mean, who are you again? We heard about you through, I mean, I know God spoke to Moses way back when. And then he spoke to Isaac and Jacob and he was all quiet for a long time. The whole time we were in Egypt, he was quiet. And, 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 and word is out on the street. You know, he spoke to Moses. But we, we don't even know really who you are. We've done nothing religiously yet. And you're claiming to be our God. I mean, why? Shouldn't we do something? Shouldn't we earn it? Key principle is that these ten are not to attain relationship with God. They're how we maintain relationship with God. They're not to get us into relationship. They're given to those who are already in relationship with God. Uh, history. God did come to Abraham. And what did God say? I'm going to be your God, but you've got to do all these things. That's not what my Bible says. He said, I will be your God. Promise. And you'll be my people. And I'll give you a land. And I'm going to bless all the world through you. And anyone who blesses you, I will bless. And anyone who curses you, I will curse. We're done. There's nothing but promises. You know, it's, it's fascinating for me when, 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 you, when you begin to understand this and begin to, to work this through. Because, again, sometimes we come to church and we say, you know what? I've got to get back together with God. And we think I've got to get my, work, my act together and I, I've got to earn a relationship with him. I'm going to start doing some right things so I can get into a relationship with God. And this is a theme that goes from cover to cover in Scripture over and over again. You do not. 
earn a relationship with God. You know, it's interesting. We're starting in chapter 20. Don't you wonder what happened in the last 19 chapters? You know what happened in the last 19 chapters? Redemption. You know, Exodus 4. I think this is fantastic. Or 3, excuse me. Verse 7. This is the burning bush thing. And God's talking to Moses. And he says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Now, all his people had to go on at this point were oral traditions of how God met with Abraham a while back. He's been real quiet for a while. He says, I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned. I'm concerned. If, in fact, we're going to do something different here. We're going to stop. Someone's not done. Don't be packing up yet. But we're going to stop all the same just for a moment to pray. And I just want to throw this out because you never know how God's working in somebody's heart and life. If you've been thinking your days, I've got to earn my way back to God. I've got to, I've got to attain my relationship with God. I've got to do some things to get there. Uh, you can give that up this morning. Understanding that the way I'm in a relationship with God today is, is realizing that Jesus fulfilled this law for me. I don't have to get it done in order to be in relationship with him. Jesus died to take away my sin. And as I trust him, the same way all these folk have done prior to chapter 20, all they did was trust God, and he got them out of Egypt. He he redeemed them. Uh, Just surrender your life to him. So let's take a second to bow and pray. And this is just for you, you know, just between you and God. You want to surrender your life to him. Amen. Okay, the first command. Let's look at the first command. Let's, let's just take the next couple minutes, the last minutes, and look at that. Um, and it's uh, a short. They're all kind of short, I guess. Um, but it really is the foundation. Verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. And this really is marriage uh, ceremony language that he's using here. He's marrying his people. And he's not saying... You can have lots of gods just as long as I'm the most important one. I'm going to be the top of the list. That's not what he's saying. Can you imagine a wedding ceremony? Honey, you can have all the other men you want just as long as I'm number one. That's not going to work. You know, you can have all the other women you want, hon, just as long as I'm your favorite. God's not saying that. God is actually literally saying you shall have no other gods before my face. In other words, I better not ever catch you with another god. That's what God's saying. Uh, my relationship with you is exclusive. And we would think, you know, well, this is a piece of cake. Sure. You know, he just got him out of Egypt. And he had the ten plagues. And I think we mentioned this before. You ever wonder why he used uh, frogs and not spiders? And why there were locusts and not porcupines? He was going after ten, the ten gods of Egypt. And each plague was knocking him down. And so when the Israelites left, they re- realized that their god was, was much bigger than the gods of Egypt. And so you'd think, well... <laughs> Piece of cake, yes. You want exclusive right over my heart for God's? Yeah, you got it. You'd think that this would be so. But we realized this was a piece of cake that was very difficult for these guys to swallow. And you remember when Moses went up on the mountain before uh, this command was even really given. What did the folk do when God didn't come down, didn't make things happen, send Moses down in a timely manner? They erected a statue, didn't they? They came up with another God. This is, this is, this is 
first in their heart. I believe it's first in your heart and first in my heart that when God does not work on our timetable, when he, he, he disappoints us in some way, what do you and I start doing? We start looking for other gods, don't we? God's obviously not going to take care of this one. I've got to figure this out. There's something I better be bowing down to, something I better be taking care of, something I better be working through in order to make sure I get to my end because I can't count on God here. Uh, this is, this is the, the, the thought. This is the working. The, 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 the God's aspect was just a, a necessary evil. They really weren't looking at uh, gods as much as the gods were a, a means to an end. They wanted safety. They wanted security. They wanted peace. And if, and if God would get it for them, great. And if there was some other god that would do it, that was fine. We really didn't care. We would go with whoever we could go with. That was, that was the thought. Now, you've got to understand at this point in history uh, and where they're at, there's no such thing as an atheistic nation. Uh, there's no such thing as separation of church and state. Every state had national deities and usually lots underneath that as well. And when these guys hit Canaan, when they hit that area, there was going to be a lot of, of deities running around. There was Ashtaroth, who, who was the, the goddess of, of war, and she was the goddess of love, and she was the goddess of, of birth. There was Baal who was the Canaanite fertility god and the god of rain. There was Chemish, who was the Moabite, Moabite god of, of uh, justice and of the sun. There was going to be Dagon, who was the Philistine grain god. There was Marduk. There was Moloch, who was the god of the underworld, the Ammonite god of the underworld. And you better be kind to him because you might have to spend a long time with him. and You don't want to get him upset at you. And so these guys would go into the land. Now, again, as moderns, we're thinking... Many gods, it's all folklore, how primitive. <laughs> but, you, but these guys didn't have explanations like germ theory, and they didn't understand uh, storm patterns and, and weather patterns. And so they're blaming everything, of course, on the gods. And, and, and we're thinking, well, we don't need that today. That's, but that's what their thinking was. These guys, gods were so enmeshed in the culture. It was like a McDonald's. It was like computers. It was like your, your phone. You couldn't imagine life without this. This is the way it worked. And so you can, you can picture these guys to help you understand where they're coming from a little bit. They move into Canaan, and they start to plant their crops. And the neighbor next door starts looking at them laughing a little bit. Go, wait, 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 what's the problem? Say, it's never going to work. What do you mean it's never going to work? It's good seed. It's good land. Of course it's going to work. You forgot to sacrifice to Baal. I mean, I, mean, I don't sacrifice to Baal. My God said I can't. Well, your God is a newbie. Maybe your God is more powerful than the Egyptian gods. Yeah, maybe. But he's never, he's never tangled with Baal before. See, this is Baal's land. I'm telling you, I've sacrificed to Baal. My father is, my grandfather is, my great-grandfather is, and he always blesses us. I just hope you know how to say long winter because you're going to have one. If I'm you, I'm thinking about a sacrifice to Baal. Or, or ladies, you go to the Canaanite OB. You're going to have a baby. And he says, okay, I want you to eat right and no smoking, and you better sacrifice to Ashtoreth. And you go, whoa, hang on. I don't, I don't sacrifice to Ashtoreth. See, my God has told me that I shouldn't do that. And he's like, what? You know, I'm educated. I'm the doctor around here. I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of these situations. And I've seen people like you who think they can get away without sacrificing to Ashtoreth. She's in charge of birth around here. Maybe your God doesn't know that yet. It'd be tough to find out, wouldn't it, with your child and with the, with the, with the birthing mortality rates. If I'm you and I care about my child, I'm offering it sacrifice. Are you going to court? And you know you didn't do it, but you know the evidence looks like you've done it. And not only that, you've got Hangman Harry as your judge, and, and your, your neighbors are looking at you, and they're saying, you're, you're dead. I'm telling you what, though, Chemish, 
It's the God of justice. And if I'm you, I'm, you're not in a position right now to offend Chemish. So you better offer a sacrifice. I'm just saying, if you, if you care about getting back home and seeing your family, well, what are you thinking? You're thinking, well, maybe he's right. Maybe, maybe God is bigger than the Egyptian gods, but I, we haven't seen his power here yet. And, you know, it's really not going to hurt a little. So what do you do? You sneak off to the high places. In the Old Testament, high places were uh, like spiritual tobus. You know, as you, as you went through different areas of, of, the, of uh, the, the land, there were different deities that were in charge of different areas. And we went through their area. It's only polite and wise to stop and offer them homage. You want their blessing. But when you're at home and you're going through, who knows what you're going through, you, you, you would run to a high place if you're having some problems and, and figure out the God that you need to, to uh, uh, have his blessing and you'd sacrifice to. Uh, maybe it's you've got children problems where you go find the God who's in charge of that. And you head to the high place and you sacrifice to him. Or you've got marriage issues. You go sacrifice to that God. Or you've you, you got rain issues. You need something to help your crops. You sacrifice to that God. And your ability to make it in life is directly proportional to your discernment to figure out what God you need to go after and what you need to bring to him and whether or not you catch him or her on a good day. Because they might just be having a bad day. You might be doing it all right. This was, this was the way things worked. This was the understanding of, of this time and era. This is how things worked at this point. The high places. Uh, you can see, can't you, where these folk might be tempted to fall into it? How that might, how that might work? And we might say as we look at this, well, it's easy enough to see how these guys would abuse it. But we don't have myriads of gods here. Really? that true? Luther said this about God. He said, whatever your soul clings to and relies upon, that is your God. J.I. Packer said, whatever one allows to run his life becomes his God. And then Packer goes on to say, and the suitors for this prerogative are legion. I, you got to love the way Packer puts it. God's perhaps popularity, you know. I really, I just, I just want to be in with the, I don't even have to be hyper popular. I just want to be accepted. And if God's not going to get me there, then I'm just going to do what I have to do, say what I have to say. It's just a little thing, just a little pinch of, of, of sacrifice, of incense. It's not a big deal. It's moving up the ladder at work, isn't it? Man, if I, if I toe the line. I had a, a friend, she was uh, in the, in the, uh, medical arena and she told talked to me about and, uh, how she needed to basically play with the charts the times on the charts on a regular basis and i said oh, integrity there she said you don't understand if i don't move these these times around i'm out of there it's just the way it is now what do we what are the gods that we have security uh, finances whatever they might be and so let me let me ask you Again, this is as much in your heart and mind as it was in the ancient Israelites, the bowing down to other gods. Names of them change, those statues. makes us feel like we're a little more sophisticated. But what might you be bowing down to that's going to destroy your intimacy with God? You can't break these laws and know Him. And he said, number one law, the one that's going to be easiest for you and me to break, is, is this law to have gods before Him or with Him. When uh, Andrew, my boy Andrew, was two years old, I can tell you this story. My wife's not in the room right now. Um, but when he was two years old, she was out uh, watching him, 
watching him, as it were, out front of the house. And uh, she was reading the mail, and he was playing in the driveway doing something or other. And, and she was sitting on the porch. And all of a sudden, she looked up, and he was gone. And she assumed that he was in the garage or she was in the, he was in the house someplace. And that was fine. She let it go a few moments. And then she did the mom thing. You know, you just have an intuition thing going where you're going, something's not right. Something's not right. And so she ran into the garage calling for him. He wasn't there. She ran into the house calling for him. He wasn't there. Downstairs, upstairs. She began to panic. She went ran in the backyard calling for him. He wasn't there. She got the other kids together and she said, okay, guys, Andrew's missing. You go this way, you go this way. And, and just scream and let's go find him. And so the kids started screaming. They took off, and she's screaming. She's getting in the, in the, uh, getting in the van in the, the driveway to go look for him. Meanwhile, what Andrew did, I don't know where he was going, but he was on his way. He walked down the street. We don't have sidewalks back in uh, Appleton. There were, there were no sidewalks. So he was walking down the street. He got to a relatively busy road not too far from our house, two blocks away. And he started walking right down the middle of this very busy road. And two construction worker guys, big, massive dump truck thing, uh, got out, got him, put him in the truck. And luckily they were dads. They were very angry, by the way. Uh, And they were driving around. They heard all the screaming. And so they stopped in front of our house. And they uh, didn't have a lot of nice, kind things to say. But ultimately they did give him back, which was a nice thing. I don't know if we had to bribe him or pay. I don't know what happened, but they, they gave him back to us. Now, here's the deal. Did Andrew have any clue what danger he was in by leaving the parameters of our our yard? He had no clue. He just left the parameters. Now, the ten are our parameters. And when we leave the parameters that God has set up for his children because he loves us, we are in incredible amount of danger. And we're in a place where we continue to bow down to the gods of this world we might not even know it, but we are in incredible amount of danger, incredible amount of danger spiritually. And so, again, let me, let, me, let me ask you, and you have to wrestle with this, and wrestle with it continuously as we go through this series because it's going to come back because this is the most important one, so they all will kind of point back to this a little bit. Do you have anything is, is your, that is interfering or that is, is uh, I call it, call it second in your relationship with God? It's not an exclusive relationship with your father again when when you leave here today we're going to don't forget to pick up your bookmark and i would keep it in your bible as we go through this series if you're interested in doing a little um, further study let me encourage you even this week the ten commandments are found in exodus 20 and deuteronomy 5 read them both and do this this is interesting journal out the differences between the 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 two lists and see how that how that works Let, let me pray with you God, thank you for not leaving us to our own resolve and our own understanding and our own logic. Thank you, Lord, for caring for your children so much that you did set up fences, you set up parameters. And God, you know our hearts were prone to wander. You know the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence. And how many of us have testimony in here of how many times we've gone over there and we've been burned and we've hurt. And I thank you, Lord, that you brought us back. But God, as we go through this study, would you remind us, Lord, that the number one thing you want is, is relationship with us, for us to keep you number one. God, would you help myself and my brothers and sisters here not to see this as a list of things we have to do. We don't want to go legalistic with your word, but would you help us to love you 
and hence do these things with everything we have because we honor that relationship. We, we desire that. And we're in love with the fact that you're in love with us. I pray that that would be so. And even as we, we go forth this week, Lord, you know the worlds that we go back to. You know all the issues that we have going on. Would you bring us back to those with a renewed understanding of who you are, your grace, your commitment to us, and your love. That same love that gives us the gospel gives us these parameters. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.